Welcome to AB3 Speaks with Monica Antakia, the podcast on academic business and branding, where we talk about planning, building, running, and growing a business as Black academic women who want to share their knowledge with the world. I'm Takia Nur Amin, academic success strategist, dance scholar, and lover of all things luxury. I'm Monica A. Coleman, professor, religious leader, and mom to an active growing kid. We have over 25 years combined experience of sharing our academic knowledge beyond the classroom, and we're telling you all the things we wish someone had told us. We will share our values-led ways of monetizing your advanced education in today's global marketplace and highlight Black academic women who are doing this with excellence and flair. So stay hydrated. Make sure you have something to write on and write with because class is in session. Season two. Hurrah. We are glad to be back on the podcast. Yeah, I'm really excited that we not just made it successfully through season one, but it's been nice to hear some feedback from people about how helpful the podcast has been. I like that you have the choice of having Monica and I in your pocket to give you business support um, on the go. We're in your pocket. Well, we wanted to open up season two by talking about the top 10 things we wish we knew when we started our academic businesses. Uh, So it's going to take a little bit of time and we don't want to hold you up. So we're going to do five and five. So this is part one of the top 10 things we wish we knew when we started our business. Yeah, coming to you folks with a two-part episode, and we've done our best to distill this into 10 kind of concrete things that we wish we had known before we stepped over into the world of entrepreneurship. And I think some of these things, as we were crafting the list, um, were perhaps more of a surprise than others. So, you know, we can note that while we talk about these kind of core things that you are likely to run into yourself, whether you've established a business already or you're thinking about it. Because both of us didn't know all the things when we started. And that's what we're trying to kind of keep you from stumbling into the details. Like we stumbled into some of them. Listen, and don't know all the things now, low key, but we are people who are committed to making sure that you don't make the mistakes we made. And that if we can help you um, avoid bumping your head in any way, we're going to do that. We're very good for saying, see that, see that, don't do that. (laughs) And so, you know, that's really what this, what this is all about is sharing these lessons so that everybody can thrive. Because when we say we want you to win, we mean it. We do. Okay. I'll get started. I think it's important for you to hear this. Write it down, put it someplace you can see it. It's a lesson that you will likely need to be reminded of again and again. Nobody is running a perfect business. I don't care who they are. I don't care how much you look up to them. I don't care what they've achieved. I don't care what their Instagram looks like. I think in this moment where we see more businesses via social media, it's easy to get caught up in the flash and the image, and the retouched photos, and the shiny pictures, but nobody is running a perfect business. Everybody makes mistakes. 
I have made mistakes. I've probably made 13 today. Uh, People make mistakes in business. And that's just the way it goes. And often the most successful entrepreneurs end up being the people who are willing to have a really messy start. And by that, I mean, they're willing to just jump in. And that can be contrary to the way most academics work. Um, For most academics, we don't like people to see our ideas necessarily all the time in progress. Um, I have people in my life that I trust who can look at my stuff when it still has, you know, typos and errors in it. But many of us have been trained not to be in public until that thing is shiny and polished, whatever it is. The most successful entrepreneurs tend to be people who are willing to pilot things, throw something against the wall and see what sticks. Um, It doesn't have to be perfect in order for you to get started. There's nothing wrong with trying something out, learning from it and adjusting. You know, there's a project that Monica and I work on. When I look back on it, we did three different kinds of pilots and then pivoted once again before we decided to launch the most recent iteration of it into the world. So relax, give yourself some grace, breathe, and remember that nobody is running a perfect business. It's fine to make mistakes. It's fine to try new things. The most important thing is getting started. Well, I think the thing I wish I had known was that there's a legal side. Like I knew there was a business side, right? Because I knew how to ink myself, right? Whether you LLC yourself or S Corp or whatever way in which you incorporate yourself from being a person to being a business. But I didn't really understand all the legal parts of it. I mean, of course, yes, there's tax law. There's always tax law. But there are a number of other small things that really add up in terms of legal implications. They are things like trademarks, which many of us know because when you come up with a real cute title that you think somebody might steal, you want to trademark it. I actually know I was listening to a podcast of an entrepreneur who was talking about how he didn't trademark one of his products and somebody else used it. So he had to name it something else. So there definitely are good reasons to have things like trademarks. But there are a number of other small things. If you have an email list, the ways in which people get on the email list, particularly if you have an international audience, there are different laws in Europe than there are in the U.S. around how you get on an email list. Privacy policies, when people use your website, right? There are all these small things. If you go into a partnership, you should have a legal agreement about that, right? There are all types of legal things that I didn't know. Now, luckily, I didn't get in trouble legally because I found them out, you know, in enough time. And most people aren't sitting around trying to look for legal loopholes. But the more successful you are, the more people will, the more it will arise. And who doesn't want to be successful? Right. So there is a legal side of things. Uh, And that's something that I wish I had known a little earlier because it's just it's not hard to get in front of it, but it's not something that's fun to do as you're kind of catching up or if somebody's already found that loophole and now you're having to pivot. Like if somebody else decided to use a real cool name that you've been calling your product. No, that's really good. That's important, I think, for people to hear, especially if you're thinking about um, running a service-based business that's going to cross borders and have people from different parts of the world engaging with what you have to offer. Um, We're going to focus on this in another episode this season. So I won't go into too much depth, but I do want to say, I wish I had known earlier that it didn't really matter if the people who were closest to me 
um, the people who I considered to be my closest friends and closest family weren't the most supportive of my work. That I would come across clients who were willing to refer my services, who were willing to pay top dollar for what I offer through my consulting work. It didn't matter if the people closest to me didn't necessarily understand what I was doing or the friends who were comfortable getting free career advice weren't going to translate into becoming paying clients once I launched my company. The world is big. And Monica and I both talk about this a lot. We really do believe that there's enough to go around and that there's enough for everybody, especially if what you're offering has integrity, authenticity, is of high quality, and is focused enough to meet the needs of your ideal clients. I know I was held back by the idea of what certain family members would say. And I did have anxiety around what certain friends would thought once I kind of hung out my shingle. And over the years of me doing this work and being in entrepreneurial space, doing a range of different things, um, my most committed clients and the folks who keep referring me and supporting me most deeply and richly are people I never would have met if I hadn't started a business. So don't get so caught up in what your closest and mostest and bestest friends and family might say or do. There's a whole world for you to explore as an entrepreneur. Another piece that I think gets underestimated is that the business you start with in whatever year, let's say you started a business in May of 2023, is likely to look different by May of 2024 and might be unrecognizable by May of 2025, okay? The point is that as you grow, develop, and change, your business will grow, develop, and change. You might shift services and offerings. You might change the name of a product that you offer. As you grow and become more confident and also competent in what you have to offer, it should be expected that you have more or different to offer in your marketplace. It doesn't necessarily mean that your niche might change, the community that you've chosen to focus on, but aspects of your business will shape and reshape themselves as you grow, develop, and change, and as you are responsive to the market that you're trying to serve. If you have your finger on the pulse of a particular group, or community who you are targeting your goods and services towards and their needs change, it's sensible that what you have to offer is going to ebb and flow as well. Now, hear me. That is not me saying that you need to be offering something else every week. It's very important that you allow, particularly in service-based businesses, your services to exist for a little while before you start tweaking and adjusting them so that you know how successful they may or may not be. It's okay to experiment. It's okay to think about those things as a pilot, but you need them to live in the world long enough for you to know that they have some value. That being said, the business that you started 10 years ago is likely to look different 10 years after, and hopefully you're different. Wouldn't you want that to be the case? Wouldn't you want to create something that encourages your own growth, development, <laughs> enlightenment. You know, this is a growth opportunity for you as well. So 
Don't be surprised when you want to do things differently or pivot or try a new product or try a new service offering. The business is going to change because you've grown and changed. And that's a really good thing. So embrace the change and move with that as it continues to shape and inform and influence your business. Number five, I wish I had known that there is no one way to run your business. Now, that sounds pretty simple, right? Of course, there's, everyone's going to do it a different way. But, you know, every season, there's kind of like there's a set way you're supposed to run your business. And especially if you somehow end up working with a business coach, there's someone who's kind of helping you get into your business. Everyone has a certain method and they're going to tell you that method as if it's the method. Right. So people will say, oh, everyone has to have social media. You have to be on three or four different platforms. Everybody has to have an email list. Right. Everybody has to email them at least once a week. Right. Everybody has to do this, to do that, to do this. Right. You have to engage people on social media. And when you do, when you email them, this is what the emails are supposed to look like. And these are templates for what the emails are supposed to look like. And then you're supposed to have a funnel and your funnel is supposed to work like this. Right. Some people who've been doing this, you've heard this. You've worked with people and or gotten services from people and you can see that kind of model. And there's nothing wrong with that model, but it's not the only model. Although we usually do tell people it's pretty hard to be active on four different social media outlets at once. You might be present, but it's pretty hard to be active on that many social media platforms unless you are hiring a person who does social media for you. But if you are just you, if you are a solopreneur, there's just, there's more than one way. You have to pick the way that works for you, the way that works for your life, the way that works for your products or with services or whatever you're offering to the way that works for your audience, right? Some audiences operate in a certain way, in a certain mindset on certain timelines. And so you're going to work in that way, because that's how they operate. And many of us have one foot into whoever our audience is. So we may know that, but we forget it because we're like, okay, this is the way it's supposed to be done. You start this way, you move this way, you do it that way, or I have to live stream or I have to do whatever. And the answer is no, you don't. <laughs> you really don't. And I know when I was starting out, I was working with, I guess I would have called him a business coach, but I that's not what I refer to him as, but somebody I was working with who's referred by another friend who is an academic entrepreneur. And he taught a certain way of what I should do to develop the business. And they weren't bad ideas, but some of them didn't really fit me or what I had to offer or even the way in which I can, I work, the way in which I, my brain works, the way in which I can manage things. So they were great ideas. Some of them were, but a lot of them just didn't work because they weren't right for me. And he just kind of had a template for how to work. So I did learn a lot, but I wish I had known, you know, there's no one way to do that. And inside the brain trust, we talk about some of our friends and colleagues and even with each other about the very different ways that we run our businesses. For example, Takiya and I operate our businesses in very different ways, and we're both, you know, sufficiently successful. We're both happy with how we're doing, but we operate them differently. And there are a host of reasons for that. But that's what I wish I had known, that there's no one way to do this. Thank you. 
Thank you for joining us for this episode of AB3 Speaks with Monica and Takia. We do this podcast because we want to serve and support Black academic women's entrepreneurial dreams. So subscribe and leave us a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. We read every one, and this will help others to find the show. If you're looking to take the next step in your career, go to blackademicbraintrust.com where you can join our amazing community and get our free resource on the 12 questions you should ask yourself before becoming a Blackademic entrepreneur. Our mission is to nurture your entrepreneurial dreams within and beyond the academy and build a business that both sustains and offers you freedom. We look forward to you finding and joining us at blackademicbraintrust.com. Because we want you to win. Mm -hmm.